Hey, Good Morning Celebration Center. Thank you so much for joining us online today and welcome to what for, is a first for me, um, an online church experience because of being snowed in or having a church snow day. Now, growing up in California in the Bay Area, this is something that I never really, I never had to deal with. We had different reasons we had to go online, but never because of the snow. So I know that my family has been enjoying the snow. We've enjoyed the, the fun, cool weather up here. And my girls are going absolutely crazy with snowball fights. So we love that we get to play in the snow and we love that we have the ability to still meet online together and do this today. Now, so welcome today. I wanna to invite you to grab your digital Bibles, your paper Bibles, or maybe even click on the notes tab if you're using the online platform today, uh, where you can follow along and see the verses that we're gonna be using today. So as you're doing that, uh, go ahead and turn to Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. And we're gonna unpack that today, as well as some other verses as we dive into the word. Now, um, last week I started by giving some thank yous. And I thanked a lot of people for what they had done. And I am terribly sorry, I missed a few of them. And I wanted to take this minute to say thank you so much to Lindsay Meyer for stepping up and doing worship leading with us. Lindsay, it was an incredible job this morning, and I really appreciate your heart to serve and lead this church in worship each and every week that you're available to do so. Um, thank you so much for what you've done and what you are doing. I want to thank Donald Bowers on the back with all the technology. This wouldn't be happening right now. I know he even worked to put all this together today. Um, so thank you, Donald, for what you do, being the tech guru in the back and uh, making sure that this is being done with excellence. And um, let's see here, Megan Malvard and the kids team upstairs doing stuff with the kids each and every week. Thank you so much for what you do. Uh, we wouldn't be able to do this and have a great place for our kids to learn and be loved and grow if it weren't for you and your team. So everybody up there along with Megan, thank you so much. And also the people on the hospitality team. There are so many more people that I haven't even met yet that are doing things here. So thank you for what you do at Celebration Center. This place just would not be happening and doing what we do without you. So thank you so much for how you serve. And thank you all that I love that you guys can serve and make me, a California-born 49er fan, feel welcome and at home here amongst you all. So thank you all for welcoming me and my family in, and I'm excited to be here with you today and in the future here at Celebration Center. Let me pray for us as we get started. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for these people, and I thank you that we have the ability to meet together, whether it's uh, in the church building, here online, God, we get to celebrate your goodness here today. I pray, God, that you, you go and be a part of every person's home. You're in every person's family. You're sitting on every couch, every chair, uh, wherever anybody is watching this today, God, you are there. God, and I ask that people have a genuine Jesus experience. You touch their hearts, you change their lives, God, and you speak to all of us today. We thank you, love you, and everybody said, amen. Amen. So last week, I started talking about new beginnings. Uh, I used, uh, that we did the, I'm sorry, <laughs> we talked about new beginnings, and I said this year, it was my resolution. This year was, I want to take my walk with Jesus more seriously than ever. And that was kind of a launching point for me that God had put on my heart. And I wanted to keep going in with this New Year's uh, launch and New Year's kickoff that we have, especially since my family is now a part of yours here. Now, we're going to use this Jeremiah 29, 11 scripture to kind of unpack some more beginnings in the future and looking at what God has in store for us here as a church family. Now, as much as we had moved into a new state, I know that this past year, all churches have moved into a new territory. I mean, this online streaming thing has become the norm, and it's something that even as we transition and go back into live services, as we've already started doing, the online presence will never go away. Churches had to learn to navigate into new things. Now, I am a firm believer that God is good, that God is in control, and that when we follow His lead 
and we trust in his ways, we are even able to see how he can take things that look so bad, things that look so hard, and turn them into absolutely incredible things for our future. We see how his hands can flip and mold and change and shape things where we may say, this is devastating. He says, I'm just getting started on a masterpiece. So we can always look ahead to what God has for us. Now, with new moves and transitions comes new starts, right? This new start here at Celebration Center. Now, just like the first time of the year can be a different you know, kind of commitment to a physical, uh, physical change, right? So one of the biggest New Year's resolutions ever, every single year, is people have this resolution to get fit, to get into shape. Well, I think the truth, the same can be said about the truth of our spiritual lives, that we can dive into a spiritual fitness craze. And that's good, right? It means we're gonna give everything we have to equipping ourselves to be better spiritually, to really dive in, spend more quiet time, be involved in the church, be more involved spiritually with God and how can he grow in us. Now, there was a poll done by the IHRSA. And did you know that every New Year's, 95% of people's polled, they say they are going to get in better shape. Now, gyms know this, right? So gyms start putting out massive specials in January. They know that the recruitments are coming. They know people are going to sign up. They're going to start getting involved in their gym. Now, it is the busiest month. Most gyms can even close or get close off memberships because they get too full and they can't let any more people in because they get so packed. Now, this year, gyms had to get creative and people had to get creative for how they could work out because not all of them were open in January. But in years past, everyone has their best intentions and they go to the gym. They say, I'm going to get fit. I'm going to get better. better. I'm going to get ready to go. Now, this results in the, the staff working long hours. The YMCA had talked about how one year they had to order more towels because they were running out of towels for the pool and for the locker room. And like I mentioned last week, we start a New Year's resolution with the best intentions. But what happens when February comes along? It's, it's really easy to start having those intentions die out. And the best motivation you had before becomes a lack of motivation not that long after. As a matter of fact, we may think, oh, I only missed one. It's okay. But then you miss two. Then you miss three days. Then it turns into you missed a week. And then you think, okay, I'll get back on it next week. Then you missed a month. And sure enough, you start doing this guilty cycle in your head, right? Where you think, man, I'm just going to, I'll try next year. And it turns into just a few months in, maybe your resolution has changed and you're going to wait till next year to do it again. Now, did you know that gyms actually expect this dropout? So the Addictive Behaviors Research Center at the University of Washington, they did a study and they said that gyms count. They expect a 20 to 30% or higher dropout just one month into the new year from people's January signups. So when they're staffing and prepping for it, they know we're going to lose 30% because of people's falling off of their New Year's resolutions. Now, the same can take place with us spiritually, can it? We can say that we're going to start doing amazing things, but then we start to have this dropout as the year goes on. We start to say, you know what, I'm just, I got tired of it, or I missed a day, or I'm not motivated anymore. And we have this decline that ends up seeing no revolution or no change in our lives because we start to give up on the things we had set forth. Well, a goal that I have this year, like I said, taking our walk with Jesus more seriously means we're going to stick through this all year and beyond. We're not going to let up. We're going to dive in. We're going to make sure we are feeding ourselves spiritually and we're putting ourselves forward with good goals to where God can work in our hearts. We talked about loving. We talked about serving and we talked about sacrificing to make our lives to be imitators of Jesus. Now, the more that I do this each and every day, the more that I know it goes hand in hand with a couple things. 
One is being committed to a strong prayer life, and the other is being committed to reading the Word daily. I think that these are two incredible keys to making sure we're going to be growing spiritually, praying more often and reading our Bibles more often. I want to do that more than ever before. And I want—I have a verse for us for 2021. Celebration Center's verse 2021. It says this, Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, as you read the writings of Paul, and we, we see this verse, Paul is either an avid lover of sports or he is an athlete himself. He uses all sorts of sports analogies in his writings. And this is before the time of Facebook and Instagram, so you couldn't just follow teams that you want. You had to be engaged in knowing what was going on. And Paul used these so much that I think he was involved in a lot of them. You see, the, back in this Bible times with the Greeks and the Romans and their sports culture, sports were a huge part of the culture. I mean, as a matter of fact, we have games to this day that we play that started back in these times with the Olympics. Now, they didn't have rules like we had, like, you know, you, you blow on Tom Brady and he falls over and there's a penalty flag, right? They didn't have all these protection rules for their athletes. It was a brutal business being an athlete. There were lots of broken bones and, and bloody limbs because it was, it was brutal. But they had a lot of things that they practiced. Now, they had foot racing, they had archery, boxing and wrestling. There was even an early variation of soccer that they had played. They had javelin throwing, discus throwing, and the high jump. Now, Paul, like I said, either an athlete himself or a lover of athletics, he said these things. He would say things like, I box in such a way. Or he would say, discipline yourself unto godliness. Or he would say, run the race set before you. He used a lot of athletics to mirror what a spiritual life with God looked like. And although when he was imprisoned in Rome, he was imprisoned, he wrote this to the Romans. He said, oh, it's sorry, to the Philippians. He wrote this in Philippians 3, 12 to 14. He said, I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid off by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, even though Paul was old, he knew that his potential was still more than what he even gave it credit for. He knew God was not done with him yet. His age didn't matter. He still had dreams that he wanted to push forward because he knew they were godly dreams that God had put on his heart. He was like a runner. He wanted to reach that finish line and sprint the entire time until he got there. He still had a job to do. He still wanted to give it all for his big final push. And nothing was going to tell him otherwise. See, Paul leaves us this scripture for all of us. And I want to capitalize on this for all of us at Celebration Center. He leaves a scripture to remind us that our best days are still ahead. We can tap into God's plan no matter our age, no matter the church's age, no matter uh, the age of the people around us. We get to tap into God's plan right now. Now, no matter the circumstance, masks on Sundays or no masks on Sundays, God has a plan that we can tap into and a purpose for all of us here at Celebration Center. Remember, the decisions that we make right now, they will either increase our future or decrease our potential. Today, as we look at this passage in Jeremiah, I want to challenge us to live out this year and find passages that are going to encourage you and build you up and blow air into your sails to help us move through 2021 with purpose, with passion, with vigor to go and say, this is what we are going to do and how God is going to get us there. 
Now, this popular verse in scripture we're going to unpack today, Jeremiah 29, 11, is one that many people will say is one of their favorites. It's one that speaks life to many people. In fact, it speaks life to me. Now, it comes from Jeremiah, who is known for having a very, very unique personality. So here's some background on Jeremiah. His message was very unpopular. A lot of people didn't like this guy. They didn't like what he was saying. They didn't like how he said it. They didn't like his attitude with it. He was full of complaining, despair, and wailing. There was, he struggled with injustice. He, he, had a, he questioned his call to ministry because of what was going on around him. He was often referred to as the weeping or the wailing prophet because of his message and how it dealt with the immorality of the people around him and how they were so engulfed in a culture that was counter to the culture that God wanted them to have. Now, it's funny, as he was dealing with that then, and we still deal with this today, don't we? Just being engulfed in a culture that is so counter to the culture that Jesus wants us to have. All sorts of gross immorality. People brought into their lives idolatry and all kinds of horrible lifestyles. Again, things that we deal with today. But he preached to people. He preached to his enemies, and his enemies had him beaten and imprisoned. He preached to his friends and family, and they rejected his message, and they would push him away. His other prophets and priests would ridicule him, and he would often feel isolated and alone. Now, talk about suffering for God, right? I can't imagine following God's lead, saying, God, I'm giving you everything I've got. Here I go, and having everyone around you reject you. It doesn't exactly build you up, right? You don't get motivated by thinking you're getting rejected. As a matter of fact, it'll do quite the opposite. The more you're rejected, it tends to, to break you down and make you question your worth. And that's what Jeremiah was dealing with. He was questioning his worth because people rejected what he said. But here's what's crazy, interesting, and inspiring about this passage. And not just the passage, but about Jeremiah. For 42 years, Jeremiah preached. And we don't know of even one person in Scripture who said, because of what Jeremiah said, my life has changed and this is how I'm going to live. 42 years. Can you imagine doing something for 42 years and not knowing if you made a difference? 42 years. I mean, so I, I have a four-year-old and a nine-year-old. And so that's nine years with one of them, four years with the other, repeating myself over and over and over. You know, Aurora, hey, don't do that. Avery, please don't do that. Oh, stop throwing a fit. Share with your sister. Be nice to each other. Stop hitting each other. You know, these, these are things that if you have kids, you know, you've dealt with those things all the time. Then we're nine and four years in, and I know that it's going to go into their teen years and things. But can you imagine 42 years of parenting, but then you look back and you think maybe your kids didn't listen to one thing you said? It can be discouraging, right? I know that thought for me. I hope when Aurora is 42, there's some things that I have said and done with her that she'll remember, that she'll value, that she'll apply to her life. I can't imagine 42 years and not knowing at all if they ever listened. But that's what he was dealing with. 42 years and not one person that we know of was responding to that message. But we see an amazing faithfulness through this with Jeremiah. And this is what's inspiring about it. Even though 42 years goes by without of us knowing of people that responded, we do know that he was ridiculously faithful to the message God had put on his heart. We see through this book that God doesn't necessarily focus on being successful, at least by what we call success. We look at it as an incredible testimony of faithfulness. Faithfulness to what God says to do. Only he can bring about the ultimate success. Jesus said we are able to be connected to him, to live from him, to live in him, and to be apart from him, we can do nothing. Jeremiah was faithful to what God called him to be, even with no response in the midst of hardship, and that is inspiring. Now, it was prophesied that God's people would be taken into captivity if they continued to reject God and his ways. And in 586, they were taken into Babylonia, 
Babylonia. They were captive for 70 years. Now, this letter was written to the captives by Jeremiah, where he reminds them that this is the fulfillment of God's work and their rejection. This was not Nebuchadnezzar's doing. This was God's doing, that he was doing something with them, and he brought them into this place. Now, against this backdrop, remember, it sounds bad. Rejection, ridicule, imprisonment, beating, excuse me, isolation. But in the middle of all that, we have this gem of a passage that speaks about hope. The ultimate hope. You see, I love this because when things look their worst, God uses it for his glory. When things look their, their absolute, it's a horrible, God says, hey, when we get to cooperate with him, when we get to stand with him, we get to see amazing things happen. And instead of looking at being a victim in something, we get to say, God, look at how you're orchestrating all of this around us for your glory. You see, God has thoughts toward us, regardless of where we are. He knows our name. He knows our situation. He has dreams and plans for us. Like these people dreamed of freedom, we also dream of freedom today from a lot of things, right? Well, God gives us this inspiring, amazing verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, and it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, the thing is, people will often stop when they read that right there and use this verse as just a, a prosperity verse to launch them into a season. But there's so much more in this verse. It is a great verse and it does promise hope, but there's so much more to it that I love that I don't want to skip over. When you take this passage in its entirety, it says this, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. I love this because in the midst of this hope, it's acknowledging that, man, this hope is coming when we're in a really bad place. You, you know, he says, Jeremiah and all the, the people, they're just, they're under captivity and it's bad. And Jeremiah says, look, God says, I know you. I have plans for you. The best is not behind you. The best is yet to come. And when we walk with God, when we follow this path Jesus has for us, when we dream his dreams, we get to see the fruition of this plan that he has for us. We get to see this hope in this future. Now, I want to dream big this year, not just for myself, but for this place, for Celebration Center, Puyallup, and Washington. I know God has some really big plans for this place and big plans for my family and all of us, my church family here today. We just don't have a front row seat to these plans. No, we are all a part of these plans. We're all on this team of this, this plan and this great purpose that God has put us all in here for a reason, to be his light in Puyallup. We are engaged and actively a part of this amazing plan God has for us. And when it comes to our dreams and my dreams for this place, I wanna make sure that my dreams, our dreams, what we do here in Puyallup and Celebration Center, these are all gonna be dreams that first and foremost, they glorify God. I want to have dreams that glorify God. You see, I want to have God-honoring visions and God-honoring and, and um, God-honoring ambitions and dreams when I move forward. Now, I'm, I, I want to look forward with a forward-looking mindset. I don't want to look back so much at and maybe what bad things have happened, but I want to look forward and say, God, I know you have good plans for me now. And now give me the, the vision and dreams to move on these plans. You see, I want to be like Paul where I'm striving and pressing into what God has for me. Paul didn't often look back. He said, I run forward. I go towards the prize that God has set. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. 
See, I believe in every person's heart is a dream of what we can be more for for God. And he wants to reveal that dream through his spirit. Now, it simply means that God has a plan. God has a design for us. And he had this plan and design before we were born. No eye see, no ear heard what God has, but he's got this for you. Jeremiah 1.5. I used this last week. I'm going to use it again because it is a crazy applicable verse for where we are and where we're going. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. You see, Jeremiah's life was designed and planned before his birth. And so it is the same with us as well. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, God imagined, designed, and destined us for great things. God's promise in this verse, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God designed our futures and placed them in our hearts so that we can have a hope. We can have a future and we can dream. We call it potential because it really is untapped power. It's unfulfilled dreams, unwrapped gifts. It's undeveloped talents. It's available energy to become, to fulfill his purposes in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our kids' lives, in our ministry, in our vocational jobs. And you may ask, is it too late for these dreams? I mean, what, what if we're too old? <laughs> Seriously, that, that's a question people have asked. What if I'm too old? It's too, it's too late for me to begin doing those things. Does it mean that our future now is limited and just set for, for something maybe not fully what God intended for us? Absolutely not. I don't think that at all. I think that no matter how old you are, God has a plan for you and you can tap into that. It's never too late. It is never, ever too late to dream big and have God fulfill dreams through you. The Bible says in Joel chapter 2, 20, verse 28, it says, I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, and all your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. It means we are never too old to dream big. We are never too old to have God put something in our hearts and say, I'm going to give you the power now to go get it, to go do it, to fulfill this dream that I've put on you, because it is a godly dream. Now, Scripture, and even today, we see people that are older do lots of amazing things. Abraham was in his late 90s when God called him to finally be the father of nations. In Joshua, Caleb was 85 years old when he finally started doing his greatest work. Moses was 80 when he finally stood before Pharaoh, demanded that Pharaoh let his people go, and God used an amazing amount of miracles and, and things happening in Egypt for Moses to escort these people out of Egypt and towards the Promised Land. He was 80 years old. Now, in recent times, Winston Churchill was 67 when he ran for Parliament and then got it and led England through World War II. Colonel Sanders was retired living on Social Security when he had this eureka moment and created his recipe for Kentucky Fried Chicken. And in one of my favorite movie series, Rocky Balboa was 60 years old when he came out of retirement for one more fight. And if you've seen the movie, you know he did an amazing thing in conquering his demons in the boxing ring. You see, the truth is, if we stop dreaming, we can never realize our potential. That's why God places us, in each of us, the hope that tethers us to a preferable future through these godly dreams. So it's never too late, and it might be time to do some reflecting. It might be time to remember. Now, we all have dreams, yet some of us have given up on these dreams, right? 
I know that um, if you look at where you are in life, you can probably say, oh, I dreamed of doing that once, but, but I gave up on it. We all have lost heart for things or maybe have some forgotten dreams that we used to have in our life. Maybe some of these dreams rely around our marriages, our ministries, our children, our careers. These are things maybe we all had great hopes for, but maybe we've lost heart for them and kind of left them behind, left behind things that we once loved. Well, God says this in Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. He says, You have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. You see, God doesn't want us to settle for status quo. God doesn't want us to settle for what could have been or just good enough. Remember where you were when the dreams you once had were starting maybe to become a reality? When you dared to dream, when you dared to think big and that the way it pumped you up, instead of living beneath a level of excellence that you know wasn't quite where God wanted you to be. Let me see, how can we ever reach that potential God has for us if we don't expect it? If we don't go at it wholeheartedly, if we don't give it everything we've got, how can we possibly expect to reach it, right? Take a minute and think of a dream you had. Maybe you reached it. Maybe you're no longer striving for it. But, but think about the why. What, what caused that moment in your life to say, hey, I was going for this, this was my dream, and now it's kind of pittered out. What led to that moment? What led you to believe you were, you, weren't, you were no longer capable of fulfilling that dream? Now, I'm willing to bet that whenever that dream started to change, it turned from a dream to a fantasy. In those moments when we stopped believing that we were able to fulfill that dream, it led to less actions pursuing it. And those taking less actions led to less passion. And having less passion led to ultimately giving up on it. And it led to a dream just becoming a fleeting thought. Now, all throughout scripture, God shows us some amazing things hidden in inconspicuous surroundings. He hid the father of many nations in Abraham. He hid a great leader in Moses. He hid the king of kings in a manger. And he hid, ultimately, the symbol of victory in what looked like defeat. The common denominator in all of these people? Commitment to God's best. You see, when I, when I look through and I think about Celebration Center, I can look through and wonder, what hidden dreams are here? What hidden dreams of potential are in these seats? As you're watching this online right now, think, looking around in your house, you can look around and say, what hidden dreams are here in this home? Now, what are you willing to commit to? Is it going to be a healthier marriage? Is it going to be getting finances order? Is it going to be a health improvement plan? What about leveraging the gifts God has given you to serve and actively in his place, in his church, to live out the ministry that he's put in your heart and maybe stirred up a dream that he's given you. Now, there's a quote by President Theodore Roosevelt and it says this, it's not the critic that will count in the end. No, not the man that points out where others have stumbled and where others could have done better. Nope, the credit actually belongs to the one who is actually in the arena. The one who might come up short again and again because he knows that there is no effort without error or shortcomings. It is the one who knows the great devotion. He knows the triumph of achievement and who he failed, who he falls, and he falls at least while daring greatly. Far better it is to dare mighty things even though you're checkered with failure than to be with the poor souls who never enjoy much nor suffer much because they live in the gray that knows neither victory nor defeat. Let's get into the arena and be the participant, right? I mean, the dream is there, but it, real, it will require us to partner with God in commitment to those dreams. You see, our part 
is to set aside dream stoppers. And we, we already talked about briefly, you know, how you're never too old for this dream to come to, come to fruition. Now, if you want to go for it, start setting aside things that are saying they can stop you from this dream. Hebrews 12.1 says, Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, have you ever seen sprinters? When they often get to the track, sometimes they'll be wearing warm-ups, or even basketball players will be wearing warm-ups. Or swimmers, when they get to the pool in the Olympics, they often have their robes on as they're walking around and getting ready and kind of listening to music, getting ready to go, right? But what happens before they compete? The sprinters, they shed the warm-ups. The basketball players, they may have the jackets and, and long pants on. They take those off and they have their uniforms ready to go. The swimmers, they'll take off their robes, and beneath their robes are just their swimsuits, right? You see, what they know they need to do to succeed, they can't be sitting there and they can't compete with all that extra baggage that's weighing them down. They know that if they want to give their best, if they want to compete at the best level possible, they have to shed those things. Anything that could hold them down, anything that could tangle them up or slow them down from performing their best, from swimming their fastest, they've got to get rid of it. You see, I think this is a great analogy for us. We need to rid ourselves from things that can totally stop us things that can stop us from pursuing God with our whole heart. And that's going to look different for you because all of us deal with different things. But I'm convinced that we all have things we can shed, get rid of them, say, God, take these away. I give them up so I can live for you with everything that I have. Maybe it's we have to rid ourselves from an attitude that blames others. Or maybe it's just a bad attitude, period. Maybe it's a tendency to whine or grumble. Well, it doesn't really matter what age we are because we all have stuff that we can lay off from our lives. It's easy to get to a place where we allow circumstance to dictate what we don't believe or where we need to go to having change. Here's the point. If God speaks to you today, hear this. Hear much of him because of your future lies in the attitudes that we're going to have moving forward. What are things God wants you to do? What have you been putting off? What is something God's put in your heart that you said, man, I used to dream that. Grab back onto that because it's still there. And we can do that here at Celebration Center in Puyallup. Perhaps there's something in your marriage, your personal life, your job, your family, your commitment to Christ. Your future dreams and God's promises rest in our actions today. They rest in your actions today. We have these dreams. What are we going to do about it? You see, there are some things that I think these will hinder us. I don't want to be hindered by things. Don't be hindered by being unwilling to receive correction. Don't be unwilling to receive correction. Proverbs 29.15 says this, the rod and reproof bring wisdom, but a child who gets in his own way will bring shame. You see, one of the keys to growth is to grow as a child and as a child of God. The degree that we respond to correction will determine our faithfulness and potential to reach those dreams. You see, there are two great tutors in life. There's wisdom on the front end and consequences on the back end. Each of us chooses which one will be our greatest teacher. Are we going to go forward with wisdom or are we going to go back because of consequences? Proverbs tells us to choose wisdom of correction that comes from word, the word and others. Or if you don't, by default, you will audit at a steep price with consequences. Choose wisdom. Listen. Learn. Learn from Scripture. Learn from God. The pain is much less when you choose wisdom instead of consequences on the back end. Don't suffer from unbelief. Believe what God has for you. Don't wrestle and struggle with unbelief. For, uh, Timothy 1.12 says, I'm not ashamed, 
for I know whom I have believed in and I'm convinced that he is able. So how do you respond to setbacks, right? Press forward in faith, shrink back in unbelief. I mean, I think it's in, I think it's in these times, the setbacks, where our faith, real, our faith really rests and we get to really shine or hide in these situations. You see, everyone can have faith in good times, but it's difficult to have faith in the hard times, right? I'm, de- I'm determined when we have doubts, we have faith faith that overcomes our doubts because we have a we serve a great God who can do incredible things. Now, read through the scriptures. We can see it's not just our dreams that get tested. Joseph's dreams got tested. Abraham's dreams got tested. Do you know who you think who we believe who do we believe in for our healing, right? We believe that Jesus is a filler of our dreams. Let's believe in him and have him be the one that brings these tr- bring these forward to and through fruition and not our own doubts that set us back. Now, sometimes we can think, God, why did you allow this to happen? But if we look at some of these people in scripture that struggle with their dreams, I love looking at Joseph because when he was thrown in captivity, he had these amazing dreams where God revealed some incredible stuff was going to happen to him. And he didn't look up and cry out and say, God, why did you allow this to happen? He didn't say why. He often said, all right, God, what now? What am I going to do to move forward through this? And Believe me, you're going to go through hard times. We all will, where we may feel like a dream maybe is starting to fade or something is not happening the way we thought it was going to be, and it can hurt. And it may cause us to question why. But instead of saying why, maybe we can look up and say, God, you know what? I'm going to ask what? I'm not going to rest in unbelief that something bad is happening and you're not there. I'm going to believe that you are in charge, that you are in control, and that we can follow you in this time. Next. Don't have unresolved sin. Jeremiah 5.25 says this, Your wrongdoings have kept these away. Your sins have deprived you of good. Man, if you have something that you're dealing with in life, take a moment, even today, to get that off of your chest. Get it off your shoulders. Confess it to God. Not for God's benefit. He already knows. It's for your benefit. When we confess our unresolved sin, it's a weight off of our shoulders. We get to experience the freedom when Jesus takes that away. And we get to move forward unhindered because we know that he's already paid the price for that. Get rid of unresolved sin. Next, uh, passivity. Don't be passive. Be active in this. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you according to his purpose. Don't be passive. Be active. Live this out. And lastly, step up and step out. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 26 says, Run in such a way that you may win. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. Man, if you've got to make a decision, make that decision. Make that commitment. Accept responsibility for something and move forward with it for your own spiritual growth. I have to accept that my spiritual growth is my responsibility. And I think we all have spiritual growth that is our responsibility. We've got to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read. I'm going to step up and step out in my faith. I'm going to be active in making sure that I grow in my walk with Jesus. Do you feel far from God? If you ever feel far from God, well, guess who's the one that moved? God hasn't moved away from us. It's often us moving away from him. Let's step up and step out. Let's step towards God. Keep stepping towards him. He doesn't move away from us. We get to keep pursuing him. We can't blame anyone else for our walk. We've got to take it and say, God, I'm giving you everything. And through that, we get to experience our dreams growing. We have to experience the fulfillment of the dreams and the hopes that he's put on our heart. That plan for a hope and a future, when we step up and step out and step towards God, 
we get to see it all start to come to fruition. So this year, step out. The Lord says this through Jeremiah. In 29.12, he says, call out and pray to me. Grow stronger prayer life. He'll listen. Jeremiah 29.13, seek him. Start in his word. Look for God. Pursue him with everything that you are. Man, if you lose something, like if you wear glasses or contacts, if those drop and those fall, what do you do? You got to pick them up. You got to stop what you're doing and get those so you can see clearly. If we want to see clearly, stop what you're doing and start pursuing God. Seek him clearly. And 29.14 says, he'll be found by you. Man, I love that. It says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And then in the midst of all this horrible things, God says, when you're following me, I find you and you're there. My prayer for us today, Celebration Center, as we move forward, dream big. Dream big and step out. Don't, don't sit with unbelief, man. Let's give Jesus everything we have and let's move forward throughout this city, throughout this place, because he has leaders in this place, leaders in this building, leaders in your home that have untapped potential to dream big and move his mission through this city forward. Let me pray for you guys. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this place. I thank you, God, that, that we get to serve a God who is so big and has big dreams. I pray you allow us to dream big. You allow us to, to move forward with you. And we you, just nothing holds us back, God. We give you everything we are, and we are excited to serve you because you have a hope for us. You have a future. In the midst of what can seem crazy, what can seem like oppression, what can seem hurtful and bring us down, you get to say, no, follow me, and I will bring you out of this, and it will be amazing. I pray that we do that. We follow you always. We give you everything we are because you gave us everything that you are, God. So God, we thank you and we trust that you're going to bring us through an amazing season here in Puyallup. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I can't wait to see you guys back in the building next week when the snow has dissipated a little bit. But have a great day. You guys are loved. God bless. I'll see you guys soon.